High FM, 101.9 megahertz of life. One of those worries is what went wrong. And I think that's part of the vulnerability. Certainly, uh, uh, certainly I feel is how could this have happened? You know, we have so much faith, maybe unrealistic faith in the Israeli, Israeli intelligence, the Israeli security network and system that this went so horribly wrong that I think that it, uh, it did really unnerve us. We wanted to understand a little bit more about this, and there's been a deliberate and I think uh, correct uh, uh, a, uh, avoidance, or maybe not even avoidance, but uh, the fact that we haven't specifically focused on it until, uh, until fairly recently. But when does the time come that we need to talk about these potential failures? Uh, Lital Shachat-Cherto, she's an expert for diplomacy and a spokesperson. A very, very good morning, Lital. Thank you for joining us. How are you? Hi, good morning. Thank you. I- I'm good. I'm good. Thank you. So, of course, this uh, the the so-called intelligence failure has been a very, very real factor in all of it, in in everything that's happened since. And we've seen uh, people taking saying, "I take responsibility," but let's get through this before we, you know, before I resign, etc. But uh, what do we understand? What do we understand about? This failure, especially as we get information that's, that suggests that Israel, in fact, was alerted to this. Right. <clears throat> so I think, you know, when we talk about intelligence and intentions in general, I think one of the most important things to do is to uh, differentiate between two aspects of intelligence. We have the warning, mm-hmm. okay, knowing ahead of time, and then we having we need to to be able to analyze the raw intelligence that we do receive. I think that when it comes to intelligence, and you know, for many years in Israel, I think the the biggest uh, intelligence failure used to always be the Yom Kippur War, just 50 mm, years ago. Mm, we always mm, talked. That was always the example. Did, Exactly. That was always the go-to example mm. that we have. Like, did we get the warning or not? Did we misinterpret it or not? I think that when it comes to intelligence, um, as you mentioned, I think that when intelligence, we always can find some sort of warning uh, because m- there are many warnings on a daily basis, on a weekly basis, every year. And just in most times, these things are either, you know, stopped because we do take that intelligence in consideration and we mm-hmm. do, we take the necessary action, um, or that sometimes it doesn't happen. And even when it comes to this um, attack now by Hamas, Hamas itself said that it planned to do it earlier and they delayed it themselves. So I think that we need to be very... Um, um, you know, on on our tiptoes when it comes to intelligence, and it does need to uh, be checked uh, after the war because now intelligence is busy with doing other things on the ground, thankfully. Um, but it will need to be checked. But with intelligence, we always have to take it, um, you know, very um, uh, in, in a very open minded way and I think that one of the failures when we talk about October 7th is not just the intelligence aspect because when we talk about the IDF 
um, it needs to be able to provide security and defense to the people of Israel, regardless of does it get a heads up warning by the intelligence mm. or not. Mm. And I think that when we talk about October 7th, um, I think that is one of maybe the, the, the hard aspects for Israelis to say, okay, we did know, we didn't know, but where was the army? Yeah. So, Why so were the absolutely. And many people on that, their own. And I think yeah. that we, you know, that um, every security organization always has to work to have the best intelligence, but work also out of the understanding that it will probably never get the right intelligence on time. And, and therefore to needs to be prepared. Or. Mm. Do we have an understanding of that? I mean, I know people that I spoke to throughout the day on October the 7th, family members of ours that I know they couldn't get hold of cousins in the region and uh, about it took about six or seven hours before we found out they were safe. Right. They went through indescribable health. Thank God they survived it. But but uh, I think they're angry. They, they've lost pretty much everything, and they're, they're, they cannot understand why they were on their own for six hours, defending themselves right. for six hours. And I think to them, that, as you, I think as you, you almost intimating, is that might even be a bigger problem than something slipping through on, on the intelligence side. Right. So I, I think, you know, it's definitely, as we mentioned, the, the intelligence in, is one aspect. And even, I would say, in a greater aspect, the IDF is even one aspect. Mm -hmm. Obviously, it is the defense force. It's the largest military uh, force on the ground that was supposed to be able to, to stop it or to minimize uh, the consequences. Um, and in some areas, it did. Uh, by the way, thankfully for, let's take uh, the, the area of uh, southern mm. Gaza, um, many of the attacks on the villages and Israeli kibbutzim in that area were actually stopped uh, by military women combatants, um, women that for the first time were uh, taking part and being tank commanders mm, mm. Uh, were able to stop some of the attacks. So I think that, you know, it's a, it's a larger... Um, in-depth look that the Israeli uh, security forces in general need to take and to stop and take a look. You know, if we look at Sderot, for instance, yeah. which is the nearest city town to the Gaza border, Hamas did a very um, smart thing on their behalf. They first took control of the police station. Right. So they basically neutralized every aspect or ability. Um, both for communication and to be able, you know, uh, to to bring uh, additional forces, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. By the way, that police station was eventually they had to take it down. They had to fire tank missiles into it and airstrikes mm. into it because they just understood that it was filled with uh, terrorists, terrorists mm. uh, Hamas terrorists, and they just had to tear it down. Um, but as you mentioned, I think there's a larger aspect. I'm sure that there were, and we know of intelligence. Uh, officers uh, that did, uh, that were able to say, hey, look, something else is going on. We had the lookout uh, headquarters uh, that that had all the women soldiers on the border that kind of said, hey, we feel like something else is going on here. And there was something else going on there. 
but when we look at intelligence, we always have to take in consideration. Yeah, it, it kind of reminds me of Nostradamus. and capability. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. It's like almost... And intention, you know, yeah. they're a terrorist organization, and, you know, we hear around campuses all over the world the, the terrible chant of from the river to the sea. Mm-hmm. There's no question about what Hamas intentions are, right? It's just an aspect of what their capabilities. I think there was also a downplay on Israeli side regarding to what are they able to do. We had the 2014 operation in Gaza, which we then uh, knew about the tunnels, and we took that in consideration, and huge aspects of technology and smart walls, etc., etc., were built around Gaza uh, by Israel to try and tackle uh, the tunnels threat we had in 2021, another operation uh, with between Israel and Gaza. And I think we thought that Hamas was deterred. And I think that that is another aspect where we, we understood it wrong. Mm. I mean, mm. we know for a fact... Yeah, especially if you look at this capability. This, uh, yeah, 800 tunnels, thousands upon thousands of rockets that are still being fired. Uh, the, the, right. the, the capability is immense. The capability is immense, and you know, people, I I was just, I'll finish to Mm. to say that we know that both Hamas and Hezbollah in the north, with special forces that they have uh, set up up north called the Radwan forces, Mm -hmm. they have intentions to conquer Israeli land. They want to have these grand invasions. I think that where we kind of maybe uh, misunderstood is how capable they actually are. You know, it's not taking over one kibbutz. It's being able to carry out such a large attack. I think that's where Israel was surprised. And, you know, I think that even since October 7th, you know, when you talk to Israelis, and I'm sure if you have family members, Mm -hmm. you will hear it as well. I mean, the army kind of like regrouped and was able um, to, to... to act um, as it's supposed to since then. But I think that Israel's a lot more than the, just the IDF. And I think that many Israelis feel that October 7th kind of showed that the government and government offices are just not uh, working and not seeing the citizens and not working for them. We've had uh, problems with the economy. We've had problems with um you know, every aspect from identifying bodies and just, you know, so many just day-to-day mm, lives. And challenges. as you mentioned, so many people don't have houses to go to. Mm. We're not be able to go back to the kibbutzim, both in the south, but even in up north, because their basic security is insecure. And, um, and we don't feel, I think that many citizens don't feel that the government has yet to come up with a plan for such a, a vast uh, a group of, uh, of citizens mm. that are in need. Absolutely. Lital Shachachacha, unfortunately, we do need to leave it there. Thank you for a fascinating conversation.